You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow, I could really use Current. I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mobilize, personalize, optimize, and monetize your marketing and engagement efforts. Welcome to Mobile Presence. From mobile marketing and messaging to mobile commerce and coupons, and from mobile apps and websites to mobile engagement and loyalty, our hosts bring on expert guests to give you the inside track on the trends, tools, and technologies that matter most. Mobile Presence, where making your brand or business mobile first is our first priority. Now, here is your host, Peggy Ann Saltz. Welcome to Mobile Presence. I'm your host, Peggy Ann Saltz, content marketing strategist at Mobile Groove, where I plan, produce, and promote content that allows my clients to reach their performance goals and scale growth. And growth is exactly what this special mini-series here at Mobile Presence is all about. Because if you haven't noticed... Every two weeks, this is the place to come to get the inside track from the UA experts and the app marketing ninjas on how they have been able to move the needle on mobile growth. And it's success that has earned them the title of mobile hero, as chosen by Liftoff. That's a full-service mobile app marketing and retargeting platform. And it's also why we are so excited to have each and every one of these mobile heroes on the show. And our guest today is Esther Huang. She is Director of Growth at Poshmark, where she helps helps identify new mobile and web channels, manage campaign performance, takes responsibility for ongoing reporting, loads of stuff. And what we want to do is we want to hear about what she's doing, how she does it, and how she's been so successful. So I won't take up any more time, Esther. Let's just move into the show. But I want to welcome you and thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. So I was going to go into your whole bio, but I decided, nope, I'm not going to do it. You know, you you automate data collection, run creative A and B testing, landing pages, uh, uh, landing to page tests, rather, uh, integrate APIs. I mean, it's a load of stuff. That's what I have here as being your day job. But in practical terms, um, what would you say is your major focus during the day at your job? Sure. So... Uh, like you said, I am a director of growth at Poshmark, which is a mobile app uh, marketplace. So anything that pertains to the new user acquisition um, for our app, um, that's what I focus on. And that is obviously a very broad swath of responsibilities uh, that can, I, I think, best be uh, divided into two buckets. 
Um, it's either the actual execution of bringing in new users. So that could be from managing campaigns and channels through various digital marketing mobile channels uh, to analyzing performance both over short-term and long-term of these new users and these channels that we're running on. Um, and just always looking for new opportunities or partnerships. And I'd say the second bucket for my day-to-day would be also to just focus on kind of rather than the execution of bringing in new users, the actual operations of things. That could be, mm-hmm. you know, working with engineers, like you said, about um, in- integrating APIs, how do we automate uh, data, and how do we work with attribution so that our channel managers who looks at all this data um, from our own internal data UI, they're able to make sense and optimize with the information that they're given. So it's kind of a very uh, broad, uh, broad swath of responsibilities, as I said. Yeah, it's interesting. I'm hearing so much about this out there in the industry and talking with so many people in positions such as yours about the importance of having sort of engineering on board on the team. Um, You're about growth at your company, but you're also about, you know, growing your team. What do you think? Is Is it the idea that it's, you know, we used to talk about how every marketer used to know tech and every marketer used to know certain things. And now I think it's more like every marketer needs to be working with engineering, Does that sound about right? I think having a really good relationship with engineering uh, is very helpful. I I would say it's almost necessary because you do need engineering support um, for various operations to do growth. I mean, from, Mm -hmm. like I said... um, Well, like the APIs, Esther. Like the API, that's kind of the most basic. Yeah. Exactly. And like, you know, how do we... And then you know the kind of the data engineering team too. That's a very specific engineering team. How do we, how do we import uh, data? How do we visualize it? How do we uh, make it accurate? Like what rules of attribution do we overlay? Um, and that's like, again just like very simple, uh, basic examples of how engineering has supported us uh, as the growth team. Of course, a lot of this is also your ability because, you know, it's all about having that bigger picture. Yes, you have to manage your team, but, you know, I understand that your responsibility is looking for those growth channels, those platforms that are paying off and, you know, not just recognizing them, but working with them. I'm just curious if we step back, you know, how you make those choices because you're looking at everything and you're saying, okay, this merits a second look. This is where we need to test a channel. This is where we can have growth. This is where we can... Um, you know, achieve something amazing. But what does that opportunity look like to you? Sure. So I'd say on the surface, it looks pretty straightforward. Um, So, you know, the good part about our job is everything is trackable. There is data for every single cent you spend um, in terms of marketing. So, you know, if a Facebook ad spends like five bucks, you know where every one of those five dollars went. So with that, then with those five dollars, you know, how much did that registered user from that campaign, how much came in, how much did they cost? So that's kind of the first uh, line of metrics. Then you start looking at your LTV metrics, right? For us, that would be, we have we have a few, uh, just to give us kind of a 3D snapshot. That would be, mm-hmm. you know, the revenue per user or the cost per buyer, because along, you know, down along the funnel, the users start buying things. Um, and various other metrics. So those are the surface metrics we look at um, on a day-to-day level to know that something is working for us. But I'd say in a bigger picture sense, you also have to look at what how accurate these metrics are 
and this kind of goes back again to attribution, is the cost per registered user coming in from this Facebook campaign actually, you know, $2, $5? Or is it, you know, overly generous attribution? Is it unfavorable attribution? And that's kind of a that's kind of where the uh, growth part of things becomes more art than science, I would say. It's interesting you talk about that because I'm hearing a lot more about that in the industry. And there was, a, there was, in fact, uh, one company's even uh, termed uh, termed this uh, data fraud in the sense it's not really fraud, but it's the question of, you know, this is the data you have, but how do you know that you have it? How do you know to that this is the cost or that this is the result? I mean, as you said, art and science, there's there's absolutely no way to do it for sure, I guess. Otherwise, Esther, you wouldn't be talking with me. You'd be retired somewhere, <laughs> you know, making tons of money um, because you've cracked the code, obviously. But can you, yep. can you just lift the lid a little bit? Because you're, you know, you're you're experienced at this, this is your day job, and above that, above all of that, you know, you have this interesting um, background where you have the the big picture. So could you give me an idea about how you approach attribution since, as you said, art and science? Sure. So I think there's a lot of factors that go into uh, attribution, um, things you have to consider. And again, I'd like to preface that nobody has found the answer when it no. comes to mobile attribution. This is still always an ongoing mm-hmm. question. And even if you find something that works for you in that moment, it's going to change again. Um, I'd say some of the variables you have to consider uh, when you're thinking about attribution, for example, is you know your own ad presence. How much of a presence do you have on, uh, on all the uh, marketing channels? If you have a large presence... Um, then you might run more into overlap. Uh, also, how diverse is your channel portfolio? If you are, you know, advertising, where it's kind of a similar, uh, like similar portfolio. So, for example, like if you're advertising on all all paid social channels, then also there's kind of a higher likelihood of overlap. Um, so th- these are kind of just examples of things I think about when I'm considering attribution. Um, at the end of the day, uh, the best gauge is for me to look at blended cost. Blended cost being, you know, the cost of a pay, um, all the spend, all the ad spend mm-hmm. over the paid users and the organic users. And this is a signal because we can tell, you know, if our paid presence is, you know, eating into our organic users, like are we basically paying for things that we would have, paying for users that we would have gotten anyway? Are, is our pay channels eating into each other? Are we just paying Facebook more, but like paying Snapchat less, but we're getting the same amount of users? And this is why I think blended cost overall is always a good signal to look at from a big picture. Mm-hmm. And I think one great example is um, Apple Search. You know, you look at Apple Search and when you look at, when you start running it and you start looking at the paid costs per user or whatever your CPA might be, it's phenomenal. Anyone you talk to is like, oh my God, this is like a fraction of what I usually pay for. But when you actually look at the lift of your users, are the, is this Apple search campaign bringing in a lot of, lot more users? Is it actually adding on incremental users? Usually it's not as much as uh, the data might point out. I've heard about that. It's also the question of what you raised before, you know, are these users I could have gotten otherwise as well? Yes, exactly. Are you paying for something that's 
you weren't paying for before, basically. So Esther, as you point out, you know, attribution, hugely important, um, hugely also difficult. You know, there's a science side, there's a subjective side, there's an art side, and, uh, you know, there's no right or wrong answers here. So uh, when we get back, we're going to talk about the mindset that you need, how to approach this. It's art, it's science, but what do you need to do to get the most of it? So don't go away, listeners. We'll be right back after the break. Mobile Presence will be back after we connect you to our sponsors. There are over 70 million active podcast listeners in the U.S. WebmasterRadio.fm reaches them all with the largest global distribution of any online business-to-business podcast network. Through iHeartRadio, iTunes, Stitcher, we can target and place your message in front of those active listeners immediately. Now, your message can be delivered with less commitment and investment on over 20 hours of weekly original content hosted by the most respected names in digital marketing. Email sales at webmasterradio.fm today and get your message delivered now. Do you look at the task of ranking your site at the top of the search engines like you would climbing the top of Mount Everest? It doesn't have to be. TopSEOs.com knows how hard that climb can be, and they can make top ranking a reality. Top SEOs send you to only the right search vendors and agencies that they know will work for you. Since 2002, TopSEOs.com has reviewed and researched the best search engine marketing agencies and solutions providers. Don't risk the cost of falling off the proverbial peak of search rankings. Let Top SEOs give you peace of mind. TopSEOs.com, the independent authority on search vendors. WebmasterRadio.fm is the destination for education, entertainment, and engagement. Engage with our panel of on-air experts and peers by following us on Facebook, Google+, Twitter, and LinkedIn. You can listen to WebmasterRadio.fm on air or on demand from our website or through iTunes, Stitcher, or however you get your podcasts. Interact and stay informed. Just search for WebmasterRadio.fm. Mobilizing your marketing and engagement efforts. Welcome back to Mobile Presence, only on webmasterradio.fm. And we're back. Welcome back to Mobile Presence. And our guest today is Esther Huang. She is Director of Growth at Poshmark. And before the break, we were talking about, you know, we're really getting into the data and the nitty gritty here of attribution and what you need to know and what the data is really telling you. And as you mentioned, Esther, it's an art and a science. I think that's a great segue to you as a person because um, you know there's certain talents you need in data-driven mobile uh, marketing and user acquisition. Tell me a little bit about your background. Sure. Uh, so my background, I mean, I actually started off my career doing product marketing um, at Adobe, and <clears throat> that was a very educational experience. That was my first job out of college, but I knew I wanted to, you know, being in Silicon Valley, be more involved in the startup scene. So I actually, you know, um, was given a chance at Zeus, which was an, another startup at the time, um, an online dating startup, um, to kind of get an entry-level job in user acquisition. And that's where I really set my foundation for user acquisition and all the techniques and tactics and just learning the landscape, you know, from knowing how to manage a incredibly large budget to knowing how to be analytical and zoom in and out of the data. Um, so that's 
where I was previous to Poshmark uh, mm -hmm. for a couple of years. Um, and then, you know, now I'm at Poshmark, which I've been here for almost, uh, like, I think it's been three and a half years at this point, um, which I do in the day-to-day -day terms, similar things to what I was doing at Zeusk, but of course it's a little bit more of a broader view, like we were talking about before, questioning everything coming in, working more cross-functionally with engineering or data or, you know, designers. And you also have, uh, interestingly enough, you know, a background in, in art, which do you think that's a, um, is that part of the success in marketing? Because when you think about it, it's got to be, you know, fiercely personal, extremely effective, very, very targeted, very specific, very dynamic. And to do that, maybe, you know, art or he that hemisphere of the brain needs to be at the same level as the analytical side. What do you think? Because it's your experience. Sure. I'd say, so yes, I've been doing art pretty much throughout my whole life, and I do. Uh, I did study it a bit in college. So I'd say, honestly, it's almost the same part of your brain, um, mm -hmm. for me at least, you know, the part that um, engages in art, views things in artistically, views art in a certain way, and the way I view data. It's kind of just questioning uh, the big picture uh, when you step back from a painting. What does it look like? And when you step up close, what are the little parts that make up the whole? Um, and that's kind of a very you know, philosophical, kind of broad, vague way to look at it. But I think when I do talk about the funnel, for example, the user funnel, the way you know people behave as they go along the funnel, the way the data represents how people's journeys through the funnel, Mm -hmm. And the way you can zoom up close to the details of it, like how do people behave at a certain point in the funnel? How do people behave later on in that funnel? And then when you step back, and how does that funnel look overall? And how does that funnel look for various, you know, channels or, you know, platforms? I think that's kind of a similar mindset, knowing how to zoom in and out, um, knowing how to understand the details, the very specific details that make up the whole. You're talking about that user journey. I mean, it's really important, of course, to um, engage and re-engage and know that quality user, know you're bringing in a quality user and spend your time doing that because otherwise, you know, you're just, you're just scattering resources, scattering energy. Mm -hmm. How do you know or what tells you you have a quality user that you're bringing in? Sure. So like I said before, we do have a couple LTV metrics we look at to, you know, and we particularly choose these specifically because we want to have a kind of a 3D snapshot of how we look at our users, what they mean to us as a quality user when they come into our platform. That could, again, you know, I kind of touched on some of them before, the cost per buyer or lister, lister being anybody who lists uh, an item to sell on our platform, mm -hmm. um, and the revenue per user, uh, and just ROI in general, ROI of uh, the revenue over the ad that we spent on in order to acquire this user. So it's kind of a, it, it, like, using more than one metric, I think, gives us a bit of a better uh, understanding of the user and also gives us a better understanding of what we're doing, what's working, or what's not working to bring them in. That's interesting because I've spoken with other marketers and they say, no, we have one North Star metric and that's the one. And you have you have three, again, giving you a, a broader view um, of the of the customer. But maybe that's also because of the type of app business that you're in, you know, because this exactly. is very much about engagement. So um, what would you suggest for other marketers? I think it depends on the company. Like you said, for Poshmark, we are... Uh, 
a unique app in that, you know, we're not just a straightforward e-commerce app, nor are we a social app. We're a hybrid of both. Uh, we're a social marketplace app. Um, and so with that, we have to have LTV metrics that reflect, you know, both how, how much are people interacting with us as an e-commerce app, but also how much are people interacting with us as a social social app. So I wouldn't say there's ever one specific North Star for um, an app, at least not a blanket, you know, one size fits all. Um, I think it really does depend on what your product is and um, how you how your users add value to your own particular product. What about the platforms? Is that, again, I'm always hearing it depends on your app, but I imagine you as a sort of social shopping marketplace you know, happening type of app, that it's it's quite an interesting mix then of channels that you have to be looking at and constantly, you know, pulling levers up and down to get the right balance. I think because we are a social marketplace, again, a lot of our success has been found on other social channels uh, to help mm-hmm. bring in users just because the behavior for somebody on Facebook or Snapchat or Instagram would be similar to the behavior that would, you know, help them enjoy Poshmark, you know, in terms of like social engagements, shares and likes. Um, So I think in that sense, uh, it depends on what channels are out there to help the user journey from that external channel to your own channel to your own platform be kind of a smooth, cohesive and undestructed experience. I mean, it's all about the experience as you're pointing out. I just wonder if you have some thoughts around how to communicate to the user in different contexts or in different um, times. You know, there's, 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 there's times of the day, times of the year, uh, need states that they're in. I mean, just adapting that advertising to that. What have, what have you been uh, pursuing as a strategy to uh, not just have, you know, right ad, right time, but uh, right ad, right mobile moment? So I think there's a lot of things that we're testing um, as a team um, all the time and constantly. Uh, One of the things that I've been focusing a lot on lately is, and this sounds like a no-brainer, but the importance of creative, specifically having an in-house creative team involved. I think, you know, that's something a lot of companies still, you know, perhaps use external designers um, or artists to help make their creatives. But I think now I'm beginning to really understand just as we've started to really build out our internal creative team to help us build, dedicate to growth and help us build uh, mobile ads. It's really important for them to be involved in the process to really understand uh, what's working for them, what's not, so that they could not only be involved, but use their own intuition as creative professionals to help uh, what's working because we're uh, mobile marketers aren't artists at the end of the day they kind of have a they have data to know and understand what's working but having a creative involved with that process is I think an extra layer of intuition that'll really help and which is why this year I think we're really focusing on building out our own internal creative team dedicated to growth at Poshmark. That's interesting. I've, I'm uh, I'm hearing a lot about that as well as I talk with more and more marketers who are trying to figure out a way to sort of scientifically approach 
creative testing, which was different than before. You know, before you would say, this is working, this isn't, but then pull it down into the component parts of a creative and try and understand, okay, was it was it the background? Was it the foreground? Was it the color? Was it the was it the person in it? I mean, is that the level that you're taking this to? Absolutely. And I think it's not just advertisers that are really beginning to understand that. I think publishers as well are starting to understand that. For example, there's a lot of people out there focusing on, I think they call it advanced imagery tagging. You know, before mm-hmm. it was just us looking at a creative and being like, okay, this is red. It has a picture of shoes. So this is a red shoes ad. But now with advanced imagery tagging, there's less subjectivity. Um, you know, you're not like, is this red? Is this purple? It's Everything is kind of uh, a little more objectively tagged, a little more detailed. So there's a little more consistency there. That's something you know, that they're working on right now. And I think that's really fascinating because that really does show that we're all focusing on the importance of creative and how we could make that a little bit more aligned and objective. What about the work you're doing? Can you give me examples of sort of the the campaigns that might have um, shown you that, that, that balance between art and science sort of shown the way or in the other direction, maybe just... Uh, pointed out some preconceived notions that you've had to go back and correct. So either they have stood out because they've been really, really amazing, or they've been a real important learning experience. Well, for us, one thing that's been consistent for sure is that brands are a huge influencer in whether an ad or create ad creative or a campaign succeeds or not, just by nature because we are, again, a marketplace for fashion. So whatever is hot at that time is kind of what really works out for us. So our ads have to move with the flow of fashion and what's popular or what's really um, hot on the market then. So, you know, for one winter, Hunter rain boots will be the coolest thing and everybody will respond really well to that. But of course, a few months later, that might not be the case. One, because it's summer and two, because perhaps Hunter boots are no longer as cool as it was a few months ago. So we're always adapting our creative strategy um, to reflect, you know, the fashion marketplace and the fashion trends at the time. And that's something we have to uh, keep up with. Um, and it's constantly, again, evolving. Well, that's a great way to get to uh, uh, the, the the next couple of questions. I'm going to be asking you about exactly that, you know, how it's evolving, some trends to watch. But uh, that's going to all come up in the next segment. So don't go away, listeners. We'll be right back with Esther Huang, Director of Growth at Poshmark. Mobile Presence will be back after we connect you to our sponsors. Hello, I'm Hector Elizondo, and I want to talk to you about getting older. My body hurts, my joints ache, and sometimes I forget. I forget that doing all your own scenes for a movie isn't always the best decision, especially when you're galloping high speed on a horse named Archibello. So yes, my body hurts, but it's not because of my age. It's because I'm living my life. Don't let life pass you by. Take care of your brain health. It may just help you stay on top of your game. Oh, Archibello! Learn more at brainhealth.gov. Hi, I'm Montel Williams. Most of you know me as a talk show host, but I'm also an author, actor, single father of four, avid snowboarder, and I'm also a medical marijuana patient. Living with multiple sclerosis, I'm in pain every day. Medical marijuana is my last resort, and it helps me when all other drugs have failed. If you'd like more information about medical marijuana, you can contact the Marijuana Policy Project at mpp.org or call 1-877-JOIN-MPP. Not on my watch, our military service members say, 
as they volunteer to serve, as they move out, stand firm, and take fire. So not on our watch, we say, to the severely ill or injured veterans who can't get the care they deserve to live full and independent lives, even when there's no government funding or a nursing home seems like the only option. We won't leave one warrior behind. Not on our watch. Join us at findwwp.org. Mobilizing your marketing and engagement efforts. Welcome back to Mobile Presence, only on webmasterradio.fm. Hello, and we are back. Welcome back to Mobile Presence. I'm your host, Peggy Ann Saltz, with Mobile Groove, and our guest today is Esther Hong. She is Director of Growth at Poshmark. And Esther, I have to say, I've been really enjoying the show because, um, you know, you have got your right and left hemisphere, you know, brain in balance there. You've got the art and the science of marketing. It's uh, just refreshing to have the practical advice uh, and moving, you know, go into the weeds in regards to data and the nuts and bolts of things. So I really have to uh, thank you for sharing some of that. Yeah, definitely. It's been fun. You know, it's it. That's it. It's always a learning experience. You know, not on this show, but everywhere. And we, you know, we learn by doing. We learn by listening to experts such as yourself. And uh, you've also been experimenting in Snapchat, which is a channel that we're all trying to get our heads around. Just share with me a little bit your experience and what you've been able to figure out out there in that brand new world. Sure. Uh, so I think finding. Uh, successful channel is always difficult. Um, you always have to test things out and you can't just, you know, kind of translate your current learnings to this new channel. You do have to, you know, tailor, uh, towards that specific, uh, user experience. So for example, you know, obviously Snapchat is a platform which is like very video heavy. Um, also a lot of the organic content on there is, of you know, cell phone quality videos, your friends taking pictures of, their new shoes or the meal they're about to eat. So, you know, we've had to really uh, understand Snapchat as a channel, um, what the Snapchat users are looking for and tailor to that, um, meaning that we've also started focusing a lot on video for that particular channel and not necessarily, you know, one of the rules about uh, advertising on paid social channels is to have your paid content really blend in with the organic content so that you're not disrupting the user experience. Mm -hmm. So again, we've been using video uh, so that when people are flipping through stories, it's not um, jarring. Um, We've also been using uh, stuff that you'd kind of see your friends post too. and those are kind of just like smaller learnings, very specific learnings I've had um, in terms of Snapchat as a performance channel. Right now, they're still, according to my own data, still catching up in t- to Facebook um, in terms of conversion rates. The conversion rate's still uh, much weaker. Um, I'd say about, uh, I think like a third to 40% of what mm. we find on Facebook. Um, but the CPM is also much lower than that. So at the end, it does uh, back out, and the CPAs are um, currently at our scale economical for us, despite the much weaker conversion rate, just because the CPMs are so much lower. This is probably going to change as more and more people figure out Snapchat uh, as a channel for themselves, and costs are going to rise, just like we saw Facebook, you know, years ago, um, back when you know mobile app installs were a couple cents, and now it's much more than that. So it's kind of, um, we're going to have to evolve with it and uh, keep up with it. That's what I'm always hearing. You know, it's a new channel, which means, um, you know, it's less competitive. 
but it's also early days. And so the idea is usually just, you know, just get in there, experiment, um, start spending, start learning, because it's less crowded and that makes a lot of sense. Absolutely. I mean, you definitely want to take advantage of that low CPM before everybody floods the market, but also you have the advantage. You, you just have the first mover advantage of knowing that channel's nuances, understanding the algorithms that make up the black box of their advertising algo. And that requires, you know, a long period of tests. And the sooner you get to it, the more you understand it and the more, the quicker you are to know how it behaves more than other marketers. Well, as I said, Esther, you know, a great, a great show. I'd love to have you actually back at some point and do a little bit more of a, a deep dive. You know, we can have sort of a, uh, you know, crash course. But for now, of course, we have to uh, dial down and wind down the show here. So I'm excited about in connecting with you. How would other people stay in touch with you? How w- What would be the best way to uh, follow you, connect with you, email, social? Sure, absolutely. Uh, people can always reach me at Esther at Poshmark. Uh, and, you know, you can find me on LinkedIn, uh, Esther J. Huang. Um, that's probably where uh, you'll see me most active and uh, responsive. <laughs> Okay. And uh, for me, um, as usual, uh, you want to get in touch with me throughout the week or find out more about how you can be a guest or sponsor on Mobile Presence, then you can email me, Peggy, Peggy at MobileGroove.com. Mobile Groove is also where you can find my portfolio of content marketing, app marketing services. And the next week's will be jam-packed with other mobile heroes, including Esther. So you can look for her on her page, her dedicated page over at heroes.liftoff.io and all the other mobile heroes also at heroes.liftoff.io so stay tuned for more of those in the series and in the meantime if you want to check out this and earlier episodes of our show you can go do so by going to webmaster radio fm or you can find our shows on itunes stitcher speaker and iHeartRadio simply by searching mobile presence so until next time remember every minute is mobile so may every minute count The opinions expressed on this program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of WebmasterRadio.fm's management or sponsors. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without authorized consent of WebmasterRadio.fm is prohibited. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.